It's time for Getting Down to Business with Mark Mondo. This new show discusses trends, technology, and tactics to help the listener learn more about improving sales, saving money, and fulfilling a personal mission through entrepreneurship. Welcome to the inaugural show of Getting Down to Business with Mark Mondo on WVLP 103.1 FM. I'm your host, Mark Mondo. We're on the air in Valparaiso, Indiana, and you can listen to us streaming on the website of WVLP.org or use the TuneIn app on your mobile device and look for WVLP. 103.1 FM WVLP is a local nonprofit radio station based in Valparaiso, Indiana. This show like many of the shows on WVLP, are made possible by the generosity of donors and underwriters. We accept donations at WVLP.org. Simply click on the support tab and make a one-time donation or sustained pledge to WVLP. All donations are tax deductible. Underwriters are made up of businesses and organizations that support the shows on WVLP. Getting down to business with Mark Mondo would like to thank Homes by Hortensia, a Coldwell Banker affiliate in Porter County, Indiana, for their support. Homes by Hortensia has served the region's residential real estate needs in Indiana for over 12 years. Contact Hortensia Moreno or Tiffany Zorio at 219-249-5118 or visit homesbyhortensia.com. Homes by Hortensia, habla español. All right, to my side is my co-host, producer, star soprano, and my wife, Mrs. Cynthia Zimmerman. Hello, I'm glad to be on your inaugural show. Oh, thank you for being here. And to my other side, it's one of my consigliores, one of many, one of many consigliores for my consulting firm, Mondo CRM, Mr. Michael Wyan of Market Sling Innovation Labs out of Chicago. Right on. All right. Well, welcome. Here's what we're going to we're going to tackle an easy topic in just about 50 minutes. I came up with something easy, something that we can solve over a Guinness. Can we solve whether capitalism can do the right thing? Do you think it can? Uh, it, we're working at it. Some of us are working at it. And others are not. That's what we're going to discuss. So I'm going to look at the finding the right thing as uh, I'm going to define it really quick. Uh, Defining the right thing is whether if customers, shareholders, vendors, and employees equally benefit from the company services or trade. Now, when you say they're doing the right thing, everybody's benefiting, not just like an unequal balance of power. Typically, it's easy to vilify companies such as Amazon or Walmart. You know, hey, at least for Walmart, the customers and the shareholders do good with cheap prices and the shareholders get good and good returns on their shares or their investments. But the vendors and labor pay because they're beat up on price, whether it's price for labor or price for uh, the goods being resold at Walmart. Walmart will beat the heck out of them on their margins. 
And also, Walmart makes people pay in the environment. Main Street's gone. You know, it was Walmart devastating Main Street in the 90s and the 80s. And now I see, at least anecdotally, maybe there's some stats that back it up, now that malls are starting to fall apart. And you see Amazon warehouses as opposed to even suburban strip mall or a Main Street. So it's really, it, they could be the villains here, making, you know, capitalism not doing the best thing for everybody. Um, I have found some other villains that just come to mind. And it's been really easy for me to find villains. I think of WorldCom. I think of Elizabeth Holmes. Uh, she was the lady that had that uh, blood test uh, that would essentially solve the world's problems with one drop of blood. And, uh, well, she didn't quite live up to the expectations of the lab work. And she got busted. And you now my humble opinion is she went to prison because she ripped off the rich people. Um, you know, so you got villains like that. You got villains like Enron. And then really the financial crisis of 2008. Personally, the 2008 financial crisis, uh, that was a gutter. That one gutted me. So I've been finding easy villains. And it took me a little more research to get the good guys. Uh, the good guys, uh, Patagonia comes to mind. You know, they always seem to have that uh, good capitalism vibe and i had to do a little homework i wound up researching that costco actually has some good good vibes um on a website called advisorpedia on a 2016 article they said that they're one of the best treated companies because they pay their at least as of 2016 they were having an average employee make about 20 21 dollars an hour and most of the revenue does not come from the products off the shelf, but they make it off the membership fees. And uh, 90% of their employees uh, have health insurance and other benefits. So I was like, I did not know that. So looks like I, also from their website that you sent me that a lot of the people that are in charge now, managers and executives, started on the floor. So they worked their way up and therefore got rewarded for their hard work. So are you saying that they weren't, you know, the, the, the sons, you know, the sons and daughters of the executives and just rolled their way up to success? I think so. I mean, kudos to them because they could have easily gone the Walmart, even the McDonald's route where, um, you know, the customer might feel they're getting a great deal, but the product is really not that good. And it is harmful to the environment in many ways. Um, so, yeah, this is really fascinating to me. I'm going to have to read more up on them. But yeah. um, it's nice to see some of those big businesses are actually trying to do good. Yeah. Some other things that came out of this homework was, uh, you know, one thing I can't believe, well, who's really right? And is it Adam Smith? You know, that's kind of the default setting for capitalism is Adam Smith. And he had what was called the invisible hand of the free market, just making things work. And, you know, the free market will just figure it out and make it, you know, a, 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 make it a, a, a utopia for all, mm. um, you know, for when it comes to wealth creation and wealth distribution. Um, or is it swung the other way? You know, good old Karl Marx uh, comes out here. Um, I had, that was one of my last classes in undergrad was to take a class in socialism. And one thing I learned was true socialism, not communism, true socialism is when the systems become where, wealth, where 
the goods and resources for society is created from each according to his ability and then given to each according to his need. Communism was a segue, not the end. So what Karl Marx wanted to do was say, look, we're dismantling capitalism. Communism is the halfway point because we've got to centrally plan the economies, and then we'll make everything go once we figure everything out. But unfortunately, Karl Marx, sorry, good ideas in a vacuum, but human nature won, and greed got in the way, and, and communism got corrupt, you know, even at the Soviet level and other experiments. So, um, you know, so, but then you can go, capitalism works. I found another article in AEI.org, another think tank, and according to them, the Pew Research uh, Pew Research said 700 million humans have moved out of deep poverty in the 21st century. So there you go. What a, you know, we'll get one of my, uh, you know, capitalism, free market loving friends, and they'll say, there's a stat, can it? Mm-hmm. You know, and then I could go to another stat because we like stats here. This is a leftover from my my colleagues, uh, Mark Maloney, his Coach's Corner show. We love citing our stats for sports, but now we're going to cite it for economics and business. So there's a shout out to one of uh, our our sister programs on WVLP. Um, then I found something from the Federal Reserve of St. Louis from a December 2020 report that the top 10% of households own 76% of all wealth in the U.S., while the bottom 50% own just 1% of wealth. So yep. what do so, we make of this? We got stats that well, can, it's confirmation bias. Well, I see, you know, when you have, you said capitalism works, my knee-jerk reaction is for whom? And there you just answered it because, uh, yeah, because of, of just the idea of the American dream. Who came up with that American dream? marketing people, people that wanted to sell you products. And that's not bad that, you know, you want to buy a washing machine, but um, they made it so, you know, everybody wants it, but the demands for jobs and the ability to get those jobs, to have that lifestyle have always been hitting against each other. And there's never seems to be enough for everybody. And my philosophy on that is there's a pie. And we all can have a piece of it. You just have to not be greedy. And I think that's what gets into greed and power, really get into capitalism like they did in communism, and they make it corrupt. They make it harder for it to work. That's all I'm going to say. Well, here we go. I mean, now, so it's really in just a few minutes here, we've been able to say it's rigged. It's easy to demonize it. And so this is why I brought in the, the quiet consigliere in the back there, Mr. Michael Wyan. Mm-hmm. Between Michael and Cynthia, they're going to bring in their backgrounds. Um, Cynthia is a nonprofit. Michael has been in social impact. And we're going to talk about how you can make the business case for doing the right thing. And they're going to demonstrate it with real-world results. And I think at the end of this, let's figure out how – Perhaps one or two ideas an entrepreneur can take and start moving towards doing the best thing or the right thing for all shareholders. So I'm going to start off with uh, Cynthia. Can you give us a little background in addition to being the star soprano producer (laughs) and my wife? 
how how did you wind up here? And where did you know where where do you where do you work during the day? And what do you do for for others in, in the world of capitalism? Okay, hi, I'm I'm really excited to be on this show with my husband and with my friend Michael. Um, I st I've always been in nonprofit uh, work because it's the way I supported myself as I was going through college, and also to support my music career. So um, I got you know I went to undergrad. Um, and two two undergrad degrees and one undergrad degree and that which led me here to uh, Northwestern University in music um, but again I it was hard for me to find work that would pay the bills and the student loans um, while I was pursuing my music so I've always felt comfortable in the nonprofit world I did a little temping in corporate and felt it was just a poison for my soul. So I had to go back to nonprofit, even though it doesn't pay a lot, I can sleep at night. And um, so I've worked for Rotary International's foundation. I've worked at the American University in their Department of Performing Arts. Um, I've worked at Northwestern's music school while I was there in graduate school. And then I worked um, for uh, Trinity and I met this church in Wilmette as their secretary, and then I moved on to uh, Foundation Fighting Blindness, which is um, this wonderful organization uh, about raising funds and awareness and trying to find solutions for eye diseases like retin retinitis pigmentosa, macular degeneration, and other things that either people have genetically or get just because of age. So that, that was a good experience. That was in Libertyville. And then I eventually uh, decided to change and I started temping for United Way of Lake County in Gurney, Illinois. And they asked me to come on full-time in their marketing department. And I do a lot of the administrative work and I'm also an event coordinator for their annual fundraiser, two annual fundraisers. And uh, it's a small organization, but dedicated people. It's about 24 of us. Uh, we have a great interactive board. And um, what I found really good about this organization was that um, the teamwork is phenomenal. People are so hardworking and we're really making a difference in the community. Most people think of United Way as this uh, kind of umbrella organization that you, when your father or your grandfather worked in his company or whatever, was there the, his whole life, they would have these what they call employee giving campaigns. And United Way would come in and give their spiel saying, you can support all of these organizations. We'll process the money for you and we'll send it out. Um, some of it stayed with them for their programs and you would designate that for them. But everything else, would, like they said, would go out. And it was more to get companies interested in them and also underwear what the needs were in the community and also to get volunteers. However, as the workplace changed and people in our generation, well, my generation, and yeah, I could say our generation, we're not guaranteed a pension. We're not guaranteed that we're gonna stay at the same job our whole life. And so there was a lot of turnover of employees at organizations or businesses or businesses went under. And United Way had to really rebrand itself and rethink how can we be useful in the community how can we serve the community and how can we raise revenue when our juggernaut is no longer feasible? Now, we still do have some corporations that like to do employee giving campaigns, 
but that's not our main source of revenue anymore. Uh, when I started about uh, 10 and a half years ago, they had reestablished United Way, our United Way, what are our goals for the community? And they had done a survey with the community of Lake County and saying, what do you need? What are your greatest needs? And it was education. And it was uh, financial and health stability. And so we realized that, okay, let's look in the community. What agencies are there that we can give money to that are already doing a portion of that? And what are the areas that are pockets that we could create a program for to fill that need? And that's how we came up with our current list of programs, which are Success by Six, Reading Success, Youth Success, and 211. And breaking that down, Success by Six means Kids are getting early learning literacy uh, workshops. Their parents are getting uh, workshops on how to teach the kids the basics, like colors, shapes, numbers, um, how to handle a book and read a book. It's also to get kids ready for kindergarten, because many kids don't have the opportunity to go to preschool. So we have kindergarten countdown camp that's in the summer to get them ready to start learning. Reading success is to make sure kids who are falling behind in their reading are succeeding at being comprehensive readers by the third grade, because after the third grade, you're reading to learn new things, where up to that point, you're learning to read. And uh, that makes a huge difference on whether a child will go all the way through up through high school and graduate. Uh, there's a, you know, a great, I'll have to look for the statistic, but basically if a child is behind by the third grade and hasn't got up to that reading level, they're more than likely to drop out of high school. If not, the system ain't going to, ain't so, going to reward them. The invisible hand is not going to do so it. We've, what we've had is we've had programs where we've had tutors, we have career speakers come in and we have workshops so that the kids get the, get the support they need to succeed. Then we go on to youth success, which kind of covers middle school and high school. Again, it's getting kids uh, mentors, young professionals or established professionals and any organization or agency to come out and say, this is how I got here. These are the steps I did for my education, for my career path. You can do it too if you're interested in this. They mentor them, they give speeches, they have workshops. Um, and then, but we also support other agencies that support our programs. For example, Youth Success, you know, we're trying to help kids realize that there is a future for them after high school and that they need a plan and we'll help them make that plan. What area do, of, do they want to go into? Do they want to go to college right away or do they want to trade? And we help them make those steps possible by setting goals and assisting them in filling out college applications. And then an agency started because they saw a real need for Waukegan students needing assistance on how to do the whole college application process, because many of them were coming out of homes where no one had ever done that before. So this agency, this nonprofit called Waukegan to College, grew and became uh, an answer to a spot that we needed help with. And so we, we provide funding to that organization. Um, in addition to supplemental programs that we put in it. So that's what United Way does. Where is the problem? Who's doing really great work in the area who we can support financially, bringing in volunteers to help? And where are the holes? Where can we 
bandage up the holes with our programs. So when people give now, it's more because they volunteer directly with us. Uh, they see our website or hear about us word of mouth. And they really like the results that we have, that we have good stats, we have good goals, and we're very, re we're very responsible with the money that we have. And um, the last thing that we did a couple of years ago, we launched 211, which is a 24-7 helpline for Lake County residents for any health or social services, because it's so frustrating if somebody's in need and they have to keep calling multiple places to try to find out where they can get help. And this is a one-stop shop for help. So basically, we fund it, Lake County government funds it, and now Illinois government is funding it along with other 2-1-1s in Illinois because they see it's such a great service. It assists uh, police and firemen and other people, social workers, who have to find contact or information for somebody in need. And they can give them a card. It's bilingual. It has the number, the website. You can even text to it. Um, and all you have to do is dial 211. Somebody in the language you speak will guide you, find out what your situation is, and find all the agencies that could help you that you qualify for, give you that information, and then you're on your way to actually going to the right person for what you need. And um, before that, we were kind of trying to do things like that, but we just didn't have the network technology available. Mm -hmm. So we had to basically print books and give them out to the agencies and everybody in Lake County. And by the time they got them, a lot of that information was already out of date. So this has really become one of our greatest successes. And especially during COVID, um, we had a special call to arms for people who could give um, to our COVID fund, and we got a grant from the state and federal. And through that, we were able to uh, provide supplemental help to other agencies for housing, rent, utility support, social services, health, men health men mental health and uh, services, um, a lot of different things because people who could gave to this fund. We did not keep a cent of it. It all went back out into the community based on need and also to, to get people connected to 211. And um, so that's kind of United Way in a nutshell. It, you know, if you want me to give the website at the end of the show, I can happily do that. Um, but I have to say of all the nonprofits I worked for, um, I've been here the longest because I really see that we're doing something that supports the need in the community. And we listen to what they need. We just don't go in there like a white savior and saying, here you go. We're going to make All you, right. you know, live this way or think this way. It's, it's really coming to them for what they need, meeting them at the table. So Mark, can I chime in? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. We're going to start segueing into. So now what I want to balance is Cynthia's working within the capitalist system to try to do good. Mm -hmm. She's allied herself with an organization that makes her feel, you know, sleep well at night at, mm -hmm. per your words. And you, you work with United Way and United Way works within the system where others don't have a chance, you know, if, especially on early education. If you're not educated by that age, oof, you're it's big mm -hmm. troubles. So that's how you've approached it. Now, what, what I love to see of capitalism can still do the right thing. Let's uh, juxtapose that with Michael's 
approach. Now, Michael's done a few things, just a few things, and I, I've listed three or four, at least three, and then I know Michael's going to have a few more up his sleeve that he hasn't told me yet. So one of them that I'll introduce Michael, he has something called Market Sling Innovation Labs. He's going to talk about that. Uh, he works on something called the Cook County Social Innovation Board. Yeah, Cook County Commission on Social In Innovations, part of Cook County Board, and it um, you know uses government to reach in and you know hopefully affect positive change. Yeah, and there was another. Uh, I think one I think it would really it was a really fascinating story, and this is how Michael and I met because he was one of my clients in the mid zeros, uh, and he was using a CRM system called Act, and he wanted to make this massive, massive system that taxed my knowledge of SQL databases to create something called People's Action Redevelopment Coalition, Indeed. otherwise known as PARC. And I will let Michael talk about PARC, why he did it, because, boy, on an instinctual level, housing and real estate is a greedy, a greedy person's game. But Michael flipped it on its head. And I want you to talk about how you use CAP, you know, the confines of our system to make the case for good. And I'm sure you got a few other cases, but let's roll. Before we get into the next segment, we wanted to let you know you're listening to Getting Down to Business with Mark Mondo on WVLP 103.1 FM, a community radio station out of Valparaiso, Indiana. Thanks for listening, and let's continue. No, Park was a good one. Um, and um, one thing to be really sure about, and that is that um, one of the big lessons that I learned, and there were a million of them, you know, because when you just like with your business and what you do, Cynthia, when you immerse yourself into what you're doing, you know, I mean, the world is full of surprises. And that's where you grow and learn and get creative and you come up with solutions that, you know, I mean, I, I've written, you know, more business plans than I care to admit. And not a single one executed as it was drawn up. Not one. Because the world happens. And, and, and if you're going to survive, you've got to adapt to what that is, you know, bringing you. Um, with uh, Park, it was, um, you know, um, what, one, of the question, one of the things that I learned is that I could get just as greedy for doing good as, as, as people can for money. You know, and I needed to keep a check on that just as much as I needed to... You know, you can get drunk on your own own, own ideas. And, you know, I, I think Cynthia mentioned something about white savior. Good Lord. You well, know, what did Park actually do? I, I don't well, think Park, the rest of us Park, knew. Uh, People's Action Redevelopment Coalition was all about uh, uh, creating home ownership communities in the toughest neighborhoods up in Milwaukee. And, and what we did was to take, you know, you know, blighted land like, you know, we certainly have here in Chicago and, and, you know, there was a massive market opportunity. Just want to look at it from a business case. I mean, you know, 70% of white folks up in Milwaukee own their own home versus, you know, 30% among blacks. You know, so it was a pent up demand. All right. So, you know, we were able to innovate a model that, um, you know, that allowed us to build better quality homes less expensively. And, and, and we worked within communities of color you know, I mean, I was the only white guy to be found anywhere in this thing. Um, so it was all about, you know, for us, by us, you know, kind of thing. And, 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 you know, people loved it. I mean, we were, we were utilizing 
one of the big in innovations is we were utilizing a, a, a construction management project delivery system rather than a GC not model that is standard. And, and what that does is, um, is when you work with a GC, it's a, it's a structurally adversarial contract, meaning that he gives you one number on what it's going to cost to complete that, that, that project. And, and, you know, he's motivated, you know, if he's motivated to make additional profit, it's going to come at the expense of cutting corners on your project. And whose corners are going to be cut? Well, it's going to end up, you know, the, the homes that people buy, right? You know, I mean, so, so does that mean he's cutting, he or she's cutting the materials or not paying the workers? Um, the answer is yes. Um, you know, it's, um, you know, it, it's like that. Maybe there's cutting corners on, on environmental remediation. I mean, it could be a million different things. I mean, you know, it's complicated, but, um, but what they, um, what they did, um, uh, uh, so what we did with the construction management project delivery system is each project has its own entity, you know, it's LLC. It'll contract directly with material suppliers, with, you know, contractors, you know, with um, uh, service providers, you know, that do project cleanup and stuff like that. Um, and so there is no GC markup, you know, take, you know, 20% right, right, right there. There's no materials markup because the trade contracts are all labor only, uh, which the minority contractors loved because they weren't having to, you know, to work on our projects. They weren't having to draw down on their line of credit to purchase materials because we we're building a lot of homes and we would have them paid within five days after the completion of the work. You know, so, you know, and being the minority contractors, uh, sadly, are often the last to get paid at any project. You know, it's very hard for them to build their businesses because cash flow is unpredictable. Mm -hmm. uh, we were able to solve that. But the funny thing was people asked us, you know, I love the Cynthia's case studies. Um, people asked us, you know, you know, they said, Michael, we love your model. We love your team. Lord knows there's a great opportunity here, you know, because there's a deficit in the marketplace for home ownership among, you know, uh, you know, among folks of color in, 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 in targeted neighborhoods. Um, you know, you know, we know that with home ownership, you know, test scores improve, crime goes down, you know, economic opportunities grow, you know, it's just different. And the last thing that Milwaukee, though those neighborhoods in Milwaukee needed were more landlords. You know, that was one thing that we identified as well. But they said, Michael, we love all of this, except whatever you do, don't work with minority contractors. Don't work with them because they suck. Um, <clears throat> isn't that kind of the purpose here, Mr. Wyatt? <laughs> well, that's <laughs> it was a head scratcher. But yeah. this was what by immersing ourselves, we had to figure this one out. And and what we because because it was core to our model, just as you're saying, Mark, it was core to our model you know, to build wealth within these communities rather than having all that money, you know, leave by sundown, whether it's rental payments or, you know, or using contractors, you know, from the suburbs, you know, you want the, you know, the, these dollars circulating within communities to create real Im, Im, impact, e economic impact. And oh, by the way, there's a multiplier, you know, depending on who you talk to, it's, you know, anywhere from five to 10 to one. Um, uh, you know, for dollars, you know, spent in a project versus the economic impact that it makes out in a community. So, so we said, no, we got to solve this, man. You know, so, you know, we dug in and what we learned was, 
you know, our minority contractors were excellent electricians and HVAC guys and carpenters and plumbers. But their problem was their paperwork sucked. Mm. Why is that? Well, gee whiz, they're first generation contractors. And we said, you know, so they didn't have like a father to teach him how to handle that end of the business. So we said, okay, we know what we have, have to do. I mean, we were sending back bids, um, which people would think that we were nuts because they were too low. We knew that they were not sustainable for these contractors. Said, nope, you need to add 10% of this. Otherwise, you're going to come out short at the end. You know, so what we did was we created a capacity building program to help minority firms better perform and compete because it was in our interest to do so. You can mm-hmm. say, yeah, we're good guys. At the end of the day, yeah, we had a business case for it. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, our homes oh. were 85, 90% minority built. And, you know, uh, though those dollars circulated and they created excitement. It was, uh, it, it was, it was pretty, pretty great. And, oh, by, by the way, our projects appraised out for twice as much as we were selling the homes for. Wow. We, we were building, you know, for fit, essentially 50 cents on, on, on the dollar without compromise to quality. You know, the quality would be the same as you'd find in a half million dollar home. You know, it's just you wouldn't have, you know, granite countertops, you know, and, you know, super high, high quality finishes. But the envelope, the structure, you know, the security, all of it was top, top shelf. So anyway. Well, another um, thing I thought about was um, you're, now the part of your reason we met is because you were doing that side. That side, I kind of understand it. I, you know, I'm more of an IT guy by, uh, by luck and trade. You... We built the system where you were taking your mortgage background and trying to help not only educate the consumer, but capture that data so they could get that loan. Because I'm assuming there is either, I think the practice, at least in Chicago, was called redlining at one point. And I don't know if that has happened in other places or other phrases, but you were trying to also educate the consumer and help build credit so the banks would actually like them too. So you're on the buy and sell end. Can you can you expand upon that and how you help the you're you're again you're doing this not you're you're making money still, but you're being the good guy and making money. So tell us about how you did that. On, at least I know I did on the CRM and all the number of fields I built. But why yeah. did you want? Why did you employ me to do that? Well, it, it was, the short answer is it was in our interest to do so, Mark. And this is why. Um, um, you know we um, you know we knew we had way more interested home buyers than we had qualified home buyers, meaning, you know, credit scores that were appropriate, income, debt to income ratios that were appropriate. And by the way, the education that you mentioned, absolutely essential. If you got somebody, I, I had heard stories about home builders, you know, where they get calls in the middle of the night, you know, to change a light bulb because, you know, the home buyer doesn't have a living relative that ever, you know, that ever owned a home. How could they know this if they didn't have that, that, that experience? And by the way, that education helps them get the most from that investment to build family wealth to pass on to the next generation as well. So this was all essential. So, Mark, the work that you did for us was to basically build a database with every field that you'd find in a mortgage app application so that we could sort so that, you know, however many projects that we built, we would have them pre-sold and we would have 
And we had something like three, 400 people in our database met, managed by a woman by the name of uh, Wendy Washington, who we hired away from Neighborhood Housing Services. And her job was ed education, getting their credit scores up, you know, all that. But, we, but that database that you built for us allowed us to say, okay, we've got, let's say, 150 people right now that are qualified to buy a home for $150,000 or less. And we would be able to, you know, say, you know, based on their personal preferences, whether this was a good fit or not. Every project that we did was pre-sold. We did, that was another cost savings. You know, here's a business case for that. Guess what? We don't have a six, seven percent realtor commission to pay because we are no, getting sorry, all our realtors. What's that? Sorry, sorry, realtors. Yes. Well, you know, yeah. I mean, we love them, but you know, it's not. You know, you it, it wasn't you know, wasn't for the model of what we were doing and who we were designed to serve. And so, you know, if we're building homes 50 cents on, uh, on the dollar and we don't have a, you know, 6%, um, you know, uh, commission, we're working with faith-based organizations to give us our home buyer candidates. So we had a database, you know, so when I'm preparing the loan package for the bank, you know, to fund our construction loan, well, guess what? You know, if all our costs are fixed and, and, and we've got not just home buyers for every unit, but we've got backup contracts in each unit in case somebody loses their job or needs to move out of town or, you know, sort out a sick parent, you know, I mean, any of that, um, we would just be able to slide them right in, you know, I mean, so, you know, that, 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 that database, it was in our interest to build it, Mark, because that gave us a competitive advantage when it came to uh, uh, getting construction finance. So you've done that. So that that's the story of Park. And I know you now. What other things are you involved in to try to make, you know, get the good guys get 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 that advantage? So somebody like, you know, for example, constituents in Cynthia's uh, community, how are they going to move up that ladder? I know Cynthia's working with United Way, so you get educated. You know, if you can't read and write effectively. Man, it's a tough. That's a tough road to hoe. Now, Michael, I know you worked with um, in the Cook County. There were something uh, cases about how nothing stops a bullet better than a job. And I might be misphrasing you a little bit there, but it was something along how you're trying to address. Hey, if they got good jobs, the, the crime goes away. I mean, yeah, we can uh, uh, a little bit of a tangent here. You know, we we you idolize it if that's the right word cynthia and movies like the godfather where crime families have this great tale you know behind it romanticize yes romanticize and put them on a pedestal you know america's love of the gun uh yeah well so, yeah all, all of that you know, and i've heard this i've heard this many times on different shows you know read yeah. articles that everybody wants the basic rights of a human being food shelter opportunity and safety for their children that's not a lot to ask but our the wealth that you know the wealth scheme all over the world has put that on its head and um and that's what you know good people i mean i mean i don't have anything against people that work in corporations or company because I've seen so many of them coming saying, I want to do this for my community. It's a good investment for me to help my community because then I'll have intelligent, talented workers to hire into my company. 
So it's getting people to see that circle is the way to help, I think, companies do good. Cynthia, you know, um, you, you, you made a, um, a couple, I mean, I took some notes on a couple of things that you mentioned that kind of jumped out at me a little bit. Mm-hmm. One was, um, you know, one thing that I learned early in my social impact career, I helped out with the, uh, with the, uh, the founding of Streetwise, um, you know, the homeless newspaper. Um, and one thing that I learned from that experience, again, you have to immerse yourself and to care enough about the problems to get in and solve them. Mm-hmm. Oh, Michael, like, yes. Before we get into that, can you tell everybody else who may have didn't live in Chicago, since this market serves mainly Northwest Indiana and terrestrial, what was Streetwise? I remember it as a newspaper in the '90s that the homeless were given out. You know, this was before the phone era, so we had to have newspapers. And here's what I know, and you're going to add the rest. That their pitch on the street was, "Hey, it's a buck," and the Newspaper salesman kept 75 cents, if I remember correctly. Originally, it was, um, um, he got the first, I want to say, either 10 or $15. It was, it was, it, it, the price is more now, but, you know, it was mm-hmm. for, for, for a dollar. Basically, it was enough to get them into an SRO, single room occupancy hotel for the night, if they yep. sold X number of papers. And they would split it with, with Streetwise F, F, F after that initial amount. Um, and, and you know what, it was, uh, it, it, it was really neat uh, in that, um, you know, there, there was a spirit behind it, something that you don't hear when you talk, uh, you know, just, to, you know, when you read about it, is the spirit that it pulled people together. It gave people a sense of excitement that they could go out and, 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 and basically, you know, like, you know, we got a whole generation of people that survive on side hustles. Uh, that was the, that was the first one, you know, for folks who really needed it. Um, but the frustration that I that I felt, because, again, you immerse yourself and you want to solve the problems, um, is that, um, you know, I thought, well, gee, you know, most of these guys, you know, they, um, you know, they have, uh, um, um, you know, like how you know, you know, I had all kinds of friends that were at HR at the time and they, um, you know, they could have helped folks in terms of preparing for job interviews, doing a job search, maybe giving them the behavioral counseling that they need. Although we didn't talk, you know, we didn't call it that then, you know, we call things by, by, by different names today. Um, but, um, you know, there was, you know, and I said, Hey, let, let, let's bring these resources and I was told to, you know, just kind of, you know, hey, time out. You know, that's not really what we, we should keep our eye on the ball. And I said, well, okay. What you was know. the ball they wanted to keep the eye on? Well, I think the ball was just growing the thing and just staying within mission, you know, that they had narrowly defined. And just by selling the way, newspapers, essentially? Yeah, but no, I mean, I, I don't doubt anybody's, you know, anybody's um, intention to do good, mm-hmm. you know, but... I felt like we could do more. Again, that was me getting a little, little greedy. You know, like I was mentioning earlier, you can get just as greedy for doing good as you can, you know, for money. And so I said, well, hey, you know, why don't we get everybody pagers? You know, because why can't, you know, why is getting a job so hard for a homeless person? They don't have, you know, they don't have access to a telephone. 
mm-hmm. you know, so get them a page. Or an address, right? It was like, or an address. Well, that was, that was the next, you know, big idea that I had. I said, well, geez, why don't we just set up a mailboxes, et cetera, you know, and it, because, you know, all these guys qualify for welfare. Why don't they get checks? Duh, no address, mm-hmm. you know, and, and so, you know, and so I parted ways in really bad fashion and bad on me on that, because at the end of the day, you know, uh, in, in, in the years that followed, they ended up implementing a lot of this stuff. And I, as a young guy, just didn't have the patience to ride with it, you know, so, you know, good, good for them. I mean, they did way more good. And any, any argument that I have with them is strictly procedural, you know, I mean, um, uh, but, um, but again, I, I learned from that experience too, as a young guy that, you know what, it's a long race and I was able to see things in different levels. But what, but the big lesson that I, that I learned from that experience, the only reason I brought up the darn story to begin with is Cynthia's thing about, you know, the two, one, one, um, a system of, of, of connecting people to the services that, that they need. That was the one thing that jumped out at me and my young self, I'm still in my twenties at the time, um, that um, that the people who most need social services know least where to find them. Mm-hmm. And in today's environment of, of te- technology, whether it's apps, whether it's, you know, the phone system, you know, the two one one system, mm-hmm. um, any of all, all of that, you know, we need to be able to put as much energy into that as we do developing apps to do ride share or to find a parking spot. You know, yes. capital has gotten lazy. Uh, there's where we can find some bad guys pretty easy is I think capitalism's gotten lazy. And I think capital itself has gotten lazy and in, in that it doesn't solve big problems anymore. For the last, you know, 20 years, we've had the- You mean DoorDash money. doesn't solve your problem? Sorry, we're, <laughs> we should be naming brands. But, yeah, don't you know, get me started. But, but yeah. food delivery apps to the, lo- the lowest, uh, that they call that the last mile of delivery. I was right. reading a, I was reading an article in the Washington uh, I think maybe you found it or somebody else found it in the Washington Post about how there's just no more money left. I mean, you can't have an app taking overhead and a delivery driver and a restaurant on 15 bucks worth of nachos. There's just not enough money and gas in the car. There's just not enough money. These are models and I think this is a fundamental question to chime in right now, Mark. The models are are the models that we're talking about are they designed to extract wealth from from the environment like Matt Tiabi of Rolling Stone called vampire squids that you know that simply suck the wealth out of every environment that they're in um you know or are they designed to build wealth within communities you know to create wealth where it didn't exist before um so you know that's, uh, that's kind a of very thing. good point because i think as my view on it is we capitalism has gotten lazy where you know people complain that America's not making things anymore, making products, and I think we have our own selves to blame in corporate America because it's it's got its finger in everything it's its way of doing corporate business has taken over so many areas of business and services, and it's all about we got to make people think they need this service and they're going to buy this app to use that service when the majority of people can pick up their own food. You know what I mean? Um, The services are already there for the handicapped or, you know, physically challenged or somebody who is elderly. There are programs in place for that. They that one uh, meals on wheels, like meals on wheels, meals on wheels. 
Um, exactly, it's a great example. Uh, but it's like, I think that's why 211 has become successful and continues to grow. And we have to constantly educate people that it's there. Um, and we work with libraries and the police and the fire department and the hospitals to get the word out, schools, social workers. But it's, yes, people that need it the most have the least amount of technology to reach it. And so that's why it's at least today, and uh, most people have a cell phone so that they can communicate with 211. Um, but I, you know, I look at a lot of these apps and I'm like, really? Yeah. I need an app to find a public toilet. Yeah, before I go completely out of, uh, out. So uh, I, I think we've gone from where can we do something that's really of service to our country and provides a needed product to just gigging everybody out, you know, making people have to do multiple jobs, multiple gigs to make a living um, because somebody thought this app, this this business plan was a great idea. But, you know, Cynthia, um, you know, what, what I think where, where well, what capital gets gets you wrong in the nonprofit world, mm-hmm. where, 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 where capital gets you wrong is they say, well, they're doing God's work. Aren't they neat? Isn't that nice? And they absolutely are oblivious to the self-interest of the work that you do. Yeah. In other words, it interests them. For every, you, know, you were talking about kids, you know, they can't, you know, they can't read, you know, and, and, and can't, you know, you know, do basic math and stuff like that. You talk about, you know, if they don't reach the, this point by the third grade, mm-hmm. that they're not going to make it through, through, through high school. They'll be constantly behind. Yes, they'll fall. Mark, you, 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 were, you were talking about jobs. I mean, we've got a violence problem here, here in Chicago, and not just Chicago, all over the country, but we certainly mm-hmm. have one here. Mm-hmm. And yet there are 60 some thousand um, uh, uh open manufacturing jobs here in the greater Chicagoland area, right? Half of them only require a high school diploma. Mm-hmm. So it occurs to me, we need to put just as much effort as we do in those delivery apps mm-hmm. on either getting kids to jobs or getting jobs to kids. I'm talking about family supporting wages in manufacturing. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, this is, um, you know, and when you talk about the self-interest in business, the work that you do educating children, they say, oh, isn't that neat? No, it's more than neat, man, because this is the next generation of workers that's going to make you Exactly, and that has really been um, a major point of the people on our board who come from education, companies, um, you know, all around. We, we have a very diverse board of directors, and they're like, they see it. We need talent, We not only talent, but we need trained, educated people for the next generation of workers. So of course we're gonna invest in these programs because if you invest in a child early on, you're not gonna end up having to pay for their prison cell. I mean, there are statistics to prove that. So there's a problem with these guys though, that you you got a generation of leaders that Mm -hmm. aspire to be these great tech titans and stuff who basically see the world as either competitors or followers which is a recipe for narcissism, if I'm being generous, and sociopathy, if not. But the fact is, everybody thinks that everybody's the hero of their own story. And they think that they've accomplished all these things without recognizing the infrastructure that supported them in their great success, including a well-educated workforce. Just ask anyone in Ireland, the Celtic Tiger, after hundreds of years of poverty, they, you know, somebody recognized that they had a very well-educated, 
uh, English speaking, underutilized workforce. Gee, if we gave tax breaks, you know, to the likes of Microsoft, um, you know, they might want to come here and hire our people. And gee whiz, mm-hmm. it exploded. All right. So we're running closer to the clock, and I bet we have material for a whole nother two shows. So I'm going to give you both one minute to solve, because I can't. One minute you get to solve. How would you help an entrepreneur, a small business owner, in a what like a quick one minute tip on how can they get started to the path of good? Why don't you go first, Michael? Okay. Um, well, one, gee, I mean, I guess the first place I'd start would be the uh, the B Labs um, uh, uh, B Corporation site. That would be probably a good place to start. If you're a female op- opportunity, or if you're a female um, entrepreneur, or a um, or a person of color, um, I can't speak for Northwest Indiana, but uh, the city of Chicago, you have the Women's Business Development Center on Michigan Avenue. They do amazing work. I've got friends there. Um, and then there's an awesome book um, by Mark Lane, who is the chair of um, of um, of the um, of the vice chair of the Cook County Commission on Social In- Innovation, uh, and, and it's called the Mission Driven Venture by Mark Lane, M A R C L A N E. Um, great case studies throughout there. There's also Aiming Higher, um, a book by. Um, um, uh, David Bollier, that was my inspiration in the late nineties to, you know, maybe, you know, reconsider, you know, my career in banking, finance, and real estate and start applying it towards something a bit more noble, um, and solving real problems rather than maybe just focusing on, on helping rich guys get richer. Mm-hmm. Perfect. All right. My view on that is if you're an entrepreneur, um, because obviously you have a product or a vision of something you you is passionate for you. Find out where you think you're going to set it up. Is that really something that is useful to the community? And even if it's not, how can you tie it into something that will help with one of those needs in the community? Whether it's providing jobs, uh, discounted services, or volunteering or just bringing awareness to those needs um, and being a supporter of that organization. It's, I, I always go with the fundamental that I learned from my father, who was, a, and my, my parents were both uh, in nonprofit, um, that you basically work your way out of a job was his philosophy. You're not there to feed them. You're there to teach them how to feed themselves. And you can do that in multiple ways by being aware of, of your community and what its needs are and really look for those partnerships. All right. And I got one minute to go. I'm going to do a different little path here. Oh no. <laughs> It'll be quick. Um, Cause and I couldn't come up with those two innovative things. Uh, I found uh, Cynthia found an organization called Kiva K I V A.org. Let's say you're not, you're listening. You've listened to the show this far, our inaugural show this far. Like, I'm really not a business type, but you know this this content was just awesome and compelling. Uh, we uh, Cynthia and I had it for part of our wedding for people to donate to Kiva.org, and they are micro loans in third world countries, and you can help mm-hmm. an entrepreneur get started. Mm-hmm. So, with that said, 
And the cool to thing about that organ, sorry, honey, but the cool thing about that organization, I've done it where you put in $25 to support somebody who's raising a dairy farm mm -hmm. and then they pay that loan back. And when your portion of that loan is paid back, you can reinvest it in that company or that person or another person in another country. So you can constantly give and reinvest your money. It's really a great uh, model. Spoken as a missionary's daughter. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so with that said, this is it. We have, you, we have wrapped up the inaugural show of Getting Down to Business with Mark Mondo and my cohort, producer, star soprano, and wife, Ms. Cynthia's, Mrs. Cynthia Zimmerman, <laughs> and my consigliere of Mondo CRM, Mr. Michael Wyan. I want to thank you for helping me produce this show. Uh, we also want to give a shout out to Mr. Mark Maloney, the producer of Coach's Corner and After Hours, for letting us come on this radio station. And uh, we look forward to coming up with another show next week. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm looking forward to it. I've always wanted to do a radio show. Didn't realize and, I needed to marry somebody to do it, but I'm so glad I did. You know, and this was part of the con this is part of what you signed up for 10 years ago. That's right. <laughs> and, and Michael, you signed up for this. Uh, we, we've known each other for almost 20 years. Mm -hmm. Yeah, this was our grand plan to use you. This is this, this is the crescendo of Batman. You know, yeah. <laughs> so with that said. All right, we're going to wrap up and thank you for listening. See you all later. Listen to us more. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.